0: Each Friday, we bring you something a little bit different, a podcast from the world of security with our very own Jim Tiller. This is Security Bytes.
1: GRC is such a spaghetti bowl because it's this acronym that when you break it down, it's three little words, but it means 10, 12 different things. There's so many moving parts. When in reality, at the end of the day, GRC is this big cohesive beast that if everybody isn't moving in the right direction and at the same speed, then it starts to tip in the wrong direction.
0: Welcome to Security Bytes, A weekly show where we cover interesting cybersecurity news from the week, and then we're joined by a leading cybersecurity expert to discuss today's pressing business and technical challenges of security. Join me, your host Jim Tiller. Brought to you by and powered by Nash Squared. Let's get started. I want to start this episode with a couple really cool announcements. First is Security Bytes is now part of the Tech Talks family. Tech Talks is a podcast, a show, very good one, been around for a very long time, hosted by David Savage, sponsored by Nash Squared. And now Security Bytes, with the growth that it's seen over the last month or two, which has been very exciting, a lot of people out there listening to it, which is fantastic, is now part of the Tech Talks family of content. Tech Talks is an excellent place from a talent and technology perspective, and really is the voice of the industry. Now we've integrated Security Bytes as a focus on cybersecurity within that family of content. And it's very, very exciting and very, very grateful to David and the team and the leadership team for allowing me to be part of that community. So very excited about that. The second thing which I'm very excited about is Nash Squared is sponsoring a worldwide Women in Cybersecurity Capture the Flag event. The event starts on November 15th, 2022, this year, goes for 24 hours. And at the end of the event, we're going to have a live discussion. It's going to be introduced by our CEO, Bev White. It's going to be hosted by David Savage. And we're going to have a panel of speakers. Your are surely going to be there with three guests, women in cyber, Coming from different aspects of the cyber industry, very excited to have them part of it. And we're going to talk about women in cyber. What are the challenges? What are the barriers? What are the opportunities? Why it's so important? And then we're going to sort of broaden that discussion to say, what does it mean to bring more people into cyber in general? So very, very excited. If you're interested in the Capture the Flag event, look for some registration stuff coming up on websites and announcements on such things like LinkedIn and Twitter. We'll talk more about it on podcasts. Also, uh, definitely be join that and also definitely sign up to attend the live event uh, on Wednesday, November 16th. I believe it's at 3 o'clock p.m. on UK time. So very much looking forward to that. And part of that second part of the announcement is this episode, along with the next two, is spotlighting with a one-on-one conversation, which each of the women who are joining us as part of the panel for the event on November 16th to talk about women in cyber. So today's guest, we're gonna have a good conversation, Get an opportunity to introduce you to this person. Next week, we're gonna bring on another one of the panels and have a conversation on cyber, and we're gonna do that across three episodes so you get an opportunity to talk and listen to who these people are in their world their views on cyber and then so that when you join us on the 16th you'll get a full perspective of the type of thoughts and leadership this team brings around the topic of women in cyber and frankly the broader implications of the skills gap or shall we say the gap of availability of capabilities uh, in the industry to fill all the jobs that are available and with that This is your Security Bytes update for this week's episode. I'm excited to introduce our guest for today's show. She is the Chief Technology Officer at Six Clicks. She's been in cybersecurity for well over a decade. She has a doctorate degree in information technology, assurance, and cybersecurity. She is the go-to person around governance, risk, and compliance. And as the CTO for Six Flicks, she has developed some compelling solutions using AI and ML in this particular space. Welcome to the show. I give you Dr. Heather Bucker. Heather, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: I really appreciate you being on. So we were just talking a little bit about you know, how you got into GRC. And I learned it start off in development and access management. And that led to GRC from a consulting perspective. What were some of the major things that when you got into GRC that you really said, Hey, I think I can do this better. What were some of the ideas that immediately jumped out at you?
1: Man, GRC is such a spaghetti bowl because it's this (laughs) acronym that when you break it down, it's three little words, but it means... 10, 12 different things. There are so many moving parts. And I think the f- very first thing I noticed when I got into this field is how poorly all these moving parts communicate and meld together. And you sometimes you can even see that in how policy documents are written. Sometimes policy documents are very segmented to particular assets or... Um, facets of that organization, right? An HR policy versus InfoSec versus, you know, very departmentalized. When When in reality, at the end of the day, GRC is this big cohesive beast that if everybody isn't moving in the right direction and at the same speed, then it starts to tip in the wrong direction. And I think that's why I kind of gravitated towards tooling and towards architecting solutions for organizations that are trying to, you know, herd the cats and tame the chaos because there's so much opportunity to make that better. And, you know, the, it's, it was very apparent to me that as organizations matured, they tended to mature at different rates depending on what team we're talking about or, you know, who cares and who doesn't or who knows why and who doesn't. Um, So it's quite an interesting problem to solve that I still see every single day. Now being on still on the tooling and product side, but very much so uh, strategically and not uh, from an implementation perspective, like when I uh, first started in the software space, you know it's it's very apparent that when you're trying to sell to one buyer, you start having these conversations, and all of a sudden there are five more buyers because everybody wants a hand in the cookie jar, um, but they all want different things and Uh, they all say they want to do this, that, and the other. But then here's full circle. They're back to that execution piece that really, at the end of the day, there might be one or two teams at most that are actually executing on any of these things to make their GRC program better.
0: And I want to talk more broadly about security in general. I don't want to just kind of bucket you into the GRC space at all, but it happens to be an area where... It's kind of where I got into security a little bit myself, you know, after being a pen tester and all these different things. And, you know, in the very beginning, it was just piles of spreadsheets. Like, here are the controls and here are these different kind of things. You're trying to find a way to map them and make sense of it for people. Now, of course, you know, tools have come a long way from that, still being able to map those different pieces. But I'm going to ask you kind of a silly question. But of the GRC, I've always found the governance part to be where things start to tip over. What of those, of those giant words, you said three simple words, they mean a lot. Which one do you think really stands out as where it's the most difficult for organizations to embrace? I know it's a tough question. No, I, I
1: know I, I think governance is exactly right because from my perspective, governance feels like the most optional piece. So it's the one that gets put on the back burner because at the end of the day, compliance, the auditor is going to come knocking you're going to incur fines. Risk, well, hello, it's risk. I mean, you have, there's so many bad things that happen when risk, when risk are realized. But with governance, it's such a foundational piece of both of those. And governance is really what gets the entire organization involved in your security program, obviously, specifically with GRC But it's the one that I think organizations feel is most optional, comes across as most optional because they got the RNC down, right, where bad things happen. Well, what bad things could possibly happen if we don't have our governance program in place properly or if we're not constantly executing on our policies and procedures what's what what can happen <laughs> nobody's going to ask us about could possibly it. Yeah, go what could wrong. possibly go wrong what could possibly yeah. go
0: wrong you know the the entire thing just crushes in on yeah, itself <laughs> yeah I, I can tell you i've uh, when i've worked with organizations in their security program you see this sort of consistent rotation of we're going to build a program we're going to do our risk assessments we're going to do other things we're going to implement changes. And it's like, okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, it slowly sort of folds in on itself. And then a couple of years later, they start doing it again. I want I, to put something in front of you. And this will start getting us into more of the broader topics. I, I've seen this pendulum effect. And I've talked about it times before, where on one side, there's a really heavy focus on sec- on security technology. And then it sort of swings down. And we start talking, well, let's talk more about risk and compliance and governance. And then it swings back around and focus, then moves back to technology because... Risk identify problems. Problems are typically solved with technology, right? right? I think we've been stuck. I think that pendulum has been kind of hanging over in technology for a long time, but we are seeing more emphasis on risk. But again, I think people are looking for which tool am I gonna use, or I'm just gonna migrate to the cloud kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Where do you see that pendulum?
1: Mostly the latter, I think, because I think organizations see technology oftentimes as a band-aid, right? There's a piece of technology. Oh, we can go buy something for that. Oh, all we have to do is put that technology in place, have somebody, you know, administer it, manage it, and we'll be fine. We'll we'll handle this one piece of technology we'll cover off on, you know, X, Y, Z controls. So we're good. So I, I think, and I, and I also think that at this day and age and just the, you know, the kind of folks that we have in the security field and, you know, demographics as far as age is concerned, we're seeing a lot more younger folks in um, security, which is fantastic, right? And just STEM in general, but I think that means as millennials or you know uh, y- younger generations, it's well, technology can handle it, and technology won't break, right? It, and if and mm-hmm. if it does, we just blame the technology, and it takes it moves the liability to tech and takes it away from humans in our in in our minds, right? That's not actually what happens, but. I really just think technology is too big of a band-aid for organizations to really get their house in order like they should and properly manage it going forward.
0: That's an amazing insight. I 100% agree, but I've never heard (laughs) it it even close be put that way. That's fantastic. I would ask you then is, do you believe that we're losing a little bit of critical thinking? I mean, what's your theory on that?
1: You know... I think – and this kind of takes me back – my takes my head back to when we were chatting about doing this podcast and talking about how kind of breach adverse we've become. I think with the flood of personnel that we're seeing leaving the career field, uh, generally speaking, it's the, the more mature in the field that are fed up with the field, right? Or at least that's been my experience. And I think that – that is the bigger problem than the tolling, perhaps, that we're losing, Mm -hmm. we're almost losing the how it used to be, and how you used to have to sit down and solve the problem and architect a solution, instead of just taking your problem to a third party vendor and saying, here are my requirements, this is the problem that I'm facing, now you go fix it, right? Right? Whether that third party be a consultant or a, a piece of software or what have you, I think we're certainly losing the architecting piece of problem solving within our field because it's so saturated with consultants that will give you their time or with you know tools that can solve that problem, quote unquote.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I have I have a lot of things I want to talk about in that path. I mean, that's amazing. So I don't know if I disagree. I know as the old guy in the room, but I'm still kind of fighting the good fight. But the fact that people are growing weary in cybersecurity. So one, you have sort of that cyber burnout, especially at the ops level.
1: Yeah, we're desensitized to it.
0: Absolutely desensitized to it. And then, and to add to that, at the governance level, organizational level, risk level. I think some security professionals are struggling with, well, my voice isn't really being heard. This is a battle I've been fighting for a long time. Okay, so let's twist that around a little bit. Do you believe the introduction of cloud and all that that means is the consolidation of security and therefore that people are just kind of throwing into the cloud as the ultimate technology solution to all their problems?
1: I think there's certainly an element of that. I mean, think about like an ISO 27,001 certification. And if you're hosting in any cloud environment, you can say these X number of controls are inherited from this other guy. Right. (laughs) We don't mess with those because they're hosting us. We don't have to worry about it. I think that that sort of, creates a mindset across organizations or think about a distributed organization, a parent company with subsidiaries that probably have some technology share. These subsidiaries are like, well, that's the parent company's job. They, they own that system or they're hosting that system. And I think this, uh, kind of creates a, a lax mindset around security or we think, well, these, you know, the the main cloud providers, the Googles, the Amazons, the Microsofts, they're too big to fail anyway. So if something bad happens, they'll just go fix it. And it's not our fine, it's theirs. Or it's not our problem, it's theirs. So I think it certainly creates some complacency, but I don't know that organizations are moving to the cloud because they have that scapegoat I think it's just what they think they're supposed to do now. Like, that's just that's just what you're supposed to do is, you know, be SaaS or be hosted in the cloud somewhere. It's just what you do. Server rooms are a thing. Yeah, server rooms are a thing of the past. Yeah, I think it's interesting. interesting. So, it
0: makes like security almost like a byproduct of, yeah, exactly. of that movement. Exactly.
1: Right?
0: Yeah. You know, we were talking within that context and going back again to our call prior to doing this podcast show which we probably should record it <laughs> is we you talked a little bit about the concept of the I think you you phrased it as the raising risk appetite mm. and it was within the broader conversation of we see constantly every day successful attacks people come numb to it and then you believe that that's also increasing if you will risk appetite like okay well you know it's going to happen kind of thing i mean do you think that with with organizations today and taking into consideration cloud. and I do want to talk more about people coming into the industry, but the reliance on technology. Do you see this evolving to a situation where we're not going to really be defending anymore? We're just going to be dealing with attacks. It's like all emphasis is going to be on fixing as opposed to stopping.
1: You know, think about the influx in cyber insurance that we've seen over the past two years, right? We're, we're getting more access to band aids and scapegoats. And not that I, I don't think that organizations should have cyber insurance, but I don't think organizations should rely on cyber insurance. Those are two very different things. Um, you know, we all have to do a little CYA, right? And that's what the insurance blanket's there for. But I think that because there's this general mindset being created now of we're never going to be better than the bad guy. That, you know, we're going to continue to see this push of, well, I can just throw money at it or, you know, as our revenue grows, we can increase our risk appetite because we have more money we can burn and, you know, it's going to happen anyway. These breaches, these attacks, these, you know, the, the employee going to k- click the link in the email because they didn't know any better, no matter how many times we put them through security awareness training. So let's just accept the consequences of that and you know, call our insurance agent, make sure we're well covered or whatever it may be. And I think that we're kind of fostering that environment for ourselves a little bit in how we're approaching security. And when I first got into security, it felt very much more proactive than the reactive nature that we're seeing now. Um, and I think this is the example that I used when we were chatting Previously, think about, you know, the Equifax breach in seventeen. We're all still using Equifax, you know, and it was a massive breach. They incurred massive fines, massive data, you know, data loss and everything bad, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. They're still in business. So clearly it's events like that and solar winds and all of these just stacking on top of each other. That we're kind of just sitting and waiting you know well when's it going to happen again instead of trying to be as preventative as we should be
0: you know and not to make it too esoteric or ethereal you know who the real losers were in that were individuals eight times the number of humans on the planet is the number of records that have been stolen in the last five seven years i think in total when you look at all breaches combined so that means you know at a minimum my data is out there two or three times over uh, you look at, you know, Equifax all the way through to the LinkedIn stuff that happened a couple right. times. Or Target, just pick your pick your poison. <laughs> Literally
1: anyone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So when you look at these sort of know your customer things that have become the basis for attacking Bitcoin chains, all that kind of stuff, there's just so much information out there. So the individual is the one to suffer. And it's really interesting you you bring up Equifax uh, like this again because immediately what comes to mind is the T-Mobile fines that just, just went yep. down, which included... 150 million dollars just spend improving their security it's kind of interesting like hey you're in trouble and your fine is to spend more in security it just seems so crazy to me but so we just keep falling back on all these mechanisms but you're right i mean Equifax just trucks right along all right we're going to move topics a little bit I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life in cyber. I think everybody brings so much to every kind of challenge. Everybody thinks differently. Everybody approaches challenges differently. And I've always been focused on collaboration. I was born in the world of collaboration. But I think a step back, and especially now working for the company I do, Nash Square, we're very much focused on equality, is I really start thinking more and more about women in cyber. And I know people like yourself, successful professionals, are just killing it you're a cto and a doctor (laughs) and you're and you're leading security and you still have your whole career ahead of you you know so you're doing an amazing job but what what are some things that we can do better as an industry how do we begin to attract because there's some amazing talent that we're not tapping to as an industry and that frankly maybe that's the problem Right. Maybe that's how we do fix security as making it more effective is bringing more people and more diversity to the table. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but I I just wanted to ask you to get your opinion.
1: You know, I think that security is really intimidating. Um, And I don't know that it's a it's necessarily a gender versus gender situation. It's more of like, for example, I had no idea when I was in college and I was, you know, going through a computer science and computer engineering program and getting my master's doing all these things, I had no idea that I was going to end up in cyber. I I didn't even know what it meant at that point to be in cybersecurity. It's not like I had this lifelong dream of, you know, fighting bad guys in the cyberspace. But I think awareness is a major problem but i also think that we do a bad job of describing what cyber is to young people i think that security well cybersecurity is you know there's so many different so many different things that that could mean and i don't think we do a great job of breaking that down into okay this is what that would look like right if you're a doctor you're a neurologist, we all know what that means. If you're in the cybersecurity space and we're talking all this alphabet suit, GRC and IAM and blah, 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 or if you're a pen tester, if you're in IT, we don't really define that to young people to get them on a path of, this could be interesting to you, come join us, right? And so I think there's another level of awareness that we need to do a better job of as the professionals on the other side of that now to get young people, just in general, involved, um, I, I just think there's a, a big missing piece there that we need to hone in on.
0: I've never thought it from that perspective, and I and as you were talking, I think what what have I done in my past? And I feel really sad to say that I I think my biggest pitch to young people is. It's interesting, and it's always changing. Yeah, no two days
1: are the same. Whoopie
0: doo. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
1: which is all true. That's all, and that's why I enjoy the space so much because I wake up, I have no idea what my day is going to look like. Right? I'm all no two problems are the same. Even you know, no two solutions to the same use case are the same, and I think that all makes it very interesting. But to be able to process. Solutions to cyber or security problems requires a different perspective than just, oh, you're, you know, there's no monotony. You know, there has to be, you know, I, I find that engineers do really well in this space because their brain works in solutions. Or, um, you know, someone who loves to sit down and do a really complicated puzzle that's all the same color would probably do well in security because they have patience, they um, can notice patterns and find solutions to problems, et cetera, and so forth. Like, th- there are just some indicative things that I think we need to point out more to young people than probably the way that we do it now.
0: 100% agree. I... I've always thought in terms of how do we find representatives and what I like to call ambassadors, you know, frankly, like yourself. I mean, your success and be to, other young women can look and say, wow, you know, look what's possible. But I think you're tapping into a much deeper and much more realistic perspective. And that is you got to be able to pitch what it means. You know, what does it mean to you as a career? Because you have to take it as a career. It's kind of hard to just dip your toes in a little yeah. bit. And that too is a little bit of a problem. Right. I hope that we're doing better as organizations, companies, governments, and society in general of giving you know, women equal, absolute equal opportunity to be able to explore what their, what their capabilities are. But I think importantly, like you said, it's about how do you define it? And the fact that you, I won't say stumbled into it, but it, you didn't start your journey on that no. path.
1: No, I actually I actually had no idea, I mean, anything about this space. I was sitting at, I'll never forget it, I was sitting at the career fair the fall of my senior year, or my the fall of my master's, regardless, right before graduation. I'm sitting there, I'm going through the book of companies, et cetera, and so forth, and this gentleman came over, and we wear these tags with our majors on them. Just, you know, so that the recruiters know, hey, this is what I'm good at, or this is where my specialty is, etc. And this gentleman came over and pulled me up from the table and said, do you have a job yet? And I said, well, I don't have any offers. That's why I'm here. And he's like, come over here and talk to me. And that's literally how my career in cyber started. Not, oh, this company looks interesting. I'm going to go talk to them. It was very happenstance. And I think that I'm just kind of the exception to the rule. Because otherwise, in my head, I'm a computer scientist, I'm you know have a computer engineering degree, I code, I can you know, develop the uh, create the hardware associated to the code. I can make robots do stuff. Like f- for me, it was manufacturing or just a software company, whatever that meant. But really what that translated to is I, I think a certain way, i solve problems in a certain way i get to solutions with a very defined process because of how my brain works and all of that made me fit well into the cyberspace so that's why i've never left because i'm kind of checking all of my boxes and you know doing it a bit proficiently and 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 i find it enjoyable but If you would have told me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I was still going through school, that this is what I'd be doing, I I would look at you like you had five heads. Like, I don't know what that even means. What is GRC? (laughs) You know? (laughs) So I I, I think that's a major problem. And to your point, you can't just get into cyber and get out. Right? I mean, you could, but it's quite unlikely. And I always describe my career background as a spaghetti bowl. Like I've done all of these various things and touched all of these different places of cyber, but I've still stayed in the cybersecurity bowl, right? What, even though, you know, I've been kind of everywhere and doing a little bit of everything on the practitioner side, on the consul- consulting side, now on the vendor and software side. But at the end of the day, it's all still in the same same bowl, which is what I think, you know, young people and, and women who think critically and want that um, like that t- style of stimulation in their career. That's kind of the piece that I think they would find most interesting. And that's kind of what I use anytime anyone uh, approaches me, like from my alma mater, Hey, what'd you end up doing? How did you get there? Look, if you decide I don't want to be a pen tester anymore and you all of a sudden say, I want to go and be an in incident response. You can do that. And because you have this pen testing background, you kind of get the IR piece and you can just make the transition because that's still needed without having to completely overhaul your career. I actually, I think consulting is a great way to get started in the space. It's a fantastic way because you get so much exposure to so many different opportunities within the space, so many different types of organizations. I mean, you could go do consulting and simply decide that you hate it and you want to be a practitioner but because you've been exposed to all of these different industry verticals and all of these different use cases and offerings within those verticals, now you know, okay, I want to be a practitioner of X in vertical A, right? And it's a really nice way to dip your toe in without overcommitting to something that might still be a little bit unknown.
0: I can think of times when it, as a consultant, I would kind of gravitate to different sort of interesting components, whether it was a customer need, and I got drawn into a team, you know, that was needed focus, but it does kind of help build skills and skill over time is build knowledge. And over time that creates more wisdom and allows you to kind of be more flexible and things of that nature. I, I do think that what I hear a lot is people want to progress through their career, not just from capability, but also how they you know, work through and become you know, senior executives like yourself. And I think we just need to do a better job of expressing that. Absolutely. Wow, I need to have you on again, because <laughs> there's so many more things that I do <laughs> want to talk to you about. It's been amazing, absolutely amazing having you on. I'm so glad you took time out of your day to join. I really do.
1: Appreciate that. It's always a pleasure.
0: Again, thank you so very much for being on. It was wonderful having you. And thank you to everybody for listening. Please make sure you join us next time on Security Bytes.